I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Um, myself, Matt, and Tom here today, and Jordan will be joining us a bit later as well. Um, let's start off with the with the most recent game, then Birmingham City. It was a one-one draw in the end. Birmingham City took the lead, and then Watford came back. But um, it wasn't one of those draws where you feel as though oh, we've got away with one here. Watford were pretty dominant for the majority of the game, and you came away feeling. We probably should have taken all three points, Tom. Yeah, I think so. We certainly had the better chances on the night and, and more, not that more often this way counts, but it gives an indication of the kind of trend of the game. But yeah, I think overall we had the better chances. Um, Mario Gaspar had one off the line. There was the header from Bio at the near post went wide. The header from Cathcart that hit the post. Um, Jao Pedro had a chance as well, obviously. So yeah, it was... a. It felt like the game where we, out of all of them so far, created the most decent um, opportunities. But, you know, again, not being exactly prolific in front of goal and, and didn't and didn't take our chances. So I think on on balance, you have to say that a, a draw is, was probably about the right result. Not that Birmingham had um, heaps of their own chances, really. The, the goal from George Hall, I think, was pretty much the first chance that they had. Scott Hogan had a little half chance, um, and there was a, there was another one that was fairly sort of easily saved um, from 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 Dan Batman pushing the the Deeney volley mm. over the bar. But yeah. yeah, it was yeah. I think on balance, taken as a whole, and you can do that still at this stage, even after only four games. I think you've got to be fairly fairly pleased, right? It's um, they've had a good start to the season. Birmingham um, defied kind of expectations. Uh, but you know we we won the kind of XG battle, uh, which is the real quiz. So yeah, I think we probably <laughs> probably should have won it, but you know maybe didn't quite do enough to sit here and say, oh god, we were robbed either. Mm. Two changes ahead of that one: um, Tom Cleverly, who wasn't able to shake off the injury that he picked up, uh, and the one that was more notable, Ismailia Sar out. Um, yeah, I think people were speculating as to why that might be. It's it's been. Uh, it's gone down from Watford as, as a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but people were thinking, especially with all the speculation in the air about transfers, that it might be something to do with that. Yeah, the the kind of the, the cynics and the, the, the scaremongers were out in force, weren't they? I Someone texted me prior to the teams being announced, 
which I shared with you guys that he wasn't going to play and the, the, the suggestion was it was an injury rather than transfer related. But I guess inevitably it's that time of year, isn't it, where anyone misses out that's been linked with a move away. The likelihood is people are going to jump to the conclusion, rightly or wrongly, that it's it's about more than what's being said. Um, if he is being linked with a move away, you know, it's the sensible thing. To, or he is being linked with a move away. If there is genuine interest, it's the sensible thing to do because he's an expensive um, asset, isn't he? Or a valuable asset. And if he kind of ends up getting an injury and prevents him from being sold, then I think we'd be probably fairly miffed as well. Um, so... You hope that he's going to stick around, certainly. And I've said, you know, from the word go this season, from the first pre-season pod we did, I think he's the one out of him and Dennis that I kind of thought there was, you know, probably better than decent chance of of remaining. Um, But as we kind of approach the transfer deadline, what are we now? Not very far away at all, 13 days away. Um, It's it's looking like that, that may not come to pass, which would be a shame. Rob Edwards had his press conference this morning, we're speaking mm. on uh, Thursday, and uh, he confirmed that it is an injury, uh, and apparently there have been no official bids from anybody yet for Ishmael Yassar. So, good news, I think. Yeah, I think so. These things always, despite what clubs tell us, you know, they, they do kind of take these things to the wire, don't they, for all the kind of planning and uh, preparation that goes into transfer windows, they do tend to take it to the wire. Ed, Edwards came out and kind of batted everything away, didn't he? That they've, they've said they've not had a bid for him, and I'm sure we'll talk about Joe Pedro as well. Touched on his situation, but you can definitely see a club, you know, that's had a iffy start to the season, or or you know, not started as they might have hoped, turning around and going, right, we need to do something. Who's kind of available? You know, Saar is, and and given the cost of players. He's probably on the, the cheaper end of the scale. You'd reasonably assume that sort of 25 million would, would probably be enough to get it done. Yeah. I think that was uh, more possibly even than the leads were being linked with having offered for him, wasn't it? And that, that turned out to be rubbish. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't think this one's done. I suspect it's going to go right up to the up to the wire, unfortunately, which is a shame because I think that's been the biggest problem for Rob Edwards in terms of trying to get a, a settled team on the field in a settled system, playing a, the style of football that he wants to play. Uh, I think he's very clear on what he wants his team to look like, but it's kind of impossible to get that across when you're constantly having players, you know, re- with removed from underneath your feet, so to speak. So roll on September 2nd. Yeah. Crystal Palace, the most recent team, speculated with Shmeli Asar, but if we know anything about uh, how little they bid for him uh, last time, then uh, yeah. I, I doubt it'll be um, a bid that's entertaining for Watford this time. Where no. Okay, then the two players that came in for them were Vakun Bayo and Yasser Espria. Um, and probably the, the most amount of time that we've had a chance to see these guys, they have featured mm. previously off the bench, but both started. What did we think about them, Tom? Uh, yeah, contrasting fortunes, I think it's probably fair to say. Yasser Espria, I think we were all quite excited by his little cameo um off the bench against Burnley last week looked good looked you know confident on the ball and so on I think we saw you know a, a lot more of the same essentially he was he was really really bright really bold wanting to get on the ball wanting to get on the ball wherever you know tight spaces moved around a lot made space for himself came deep went beyond would quite happily go down the line um as well he was you know, he was a menace. He was a threat. He some nice little touches and bits of link up play. I think the thing that really kind of, you know, impressed me the most, kind of encouraged me the most, I suppose, 
is um, the speed with which he moved the ball. You know, he was always very quick, little one touch, move it on, uh, you know, keeping the ball moving. And I, th- and I just think that's, you know, so important. That is something we need need from 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 this team if we're going to play the way that Rob Edwards wants to play so yeah I was I was really encouraged by him I think I think there's a player there I, I don't know do you know what his xG was Tom I, f- I feel like I feel like he had opportunities that he wasn't able to take maybe but perhaps they weren't very concrete I wonder what the uh, what the numbers are his xG was no very low 0.03 he had one shot. Right. Okay. I actually thought he had more than that in fairness. Yeah. But he no, he was he was good. Created one chance, completed the one take on he attempted in terms of passes, twenty-five completed out of thirty-four. So across the entire um you know, every player used on the night, he ranked ninth, which is, you know, fairly good. I think the thing actually just pulling up his stats here, final third passes attempted and completed. He was second out of everybody on the pitch, which I think, you know, tallies with what I saw on the night insofar as he was, you know, kept the ball really well, was just popping the ball off nicely to people around him. Um, you know, didn't look at it kind of intimidated by the physical side of things either, because he is quite a quite a slight um lad, isn't he? He's quite quite small. So yeah, yeah no, really, really encouraging debut. My my only concern with him is, you know, is is he going to get enough exposure to first team football this season? I'm sure he'll play plenty of minutes over the course of the season, but I can see a situation where some weeks we're playing with kind of a, a proper three in in midfield to um, you know add solidity and so on and so forth, and then other times you know it's two and a number ten, which is where he comes in. So um, I'm sure there's a plan for him, and uh, yeah, I, I for one hope we see hope we see quite a bit more of him because we look like we've got a real real player there. Yeah. Uh, you asked about Vakumbayo as well, didn't you? Sorry, I just talked about Asprey instead. Um, Bio, I must admit, I've, I, so I saw that he got kind of pilloried on on Twitter, and and I listened to the "Do Not Scratch Your Eyes" Twitter space afterwards, and people were really quite down on him. I can see the things in his performance that probably put people off, concern people, whatever, you know, whatever, however strong you want to go on that. There are a few kind of bad touches, miscontrol, ball bouncing off him, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, I, I think for quite long periods, if Espria was heavily involved, then Bio, you know, essentially just wasn't. He was a bit of a, a non-entity for, for long periods. Espria had 46 touches for context. Um, Bio had 19. Um, but I, I didn't... Yeah, but then you know strikers don't get obviously depending on how involved you are in the build-up play and so on. You're not you know you wouldn't expect them to necessarily be super involved in in that respect. What surprised me and I can't and only because I can't remember them all is that apparently had two shots in the game. Um, I can't can't remember either of them to be honest. I didn't jot either of them down as as decent chances. Um, it's early though, isn't it? You know, like Espria, he's come in and he's trying to adapt to English football. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and write him off either. And I think, you know, the, the crucial thing is that he could end up being someone that we have to use over the course of the season now if if Saar and Pedro and Dennis all depart. So I'm not, you know, going to kind of get on his back at this stage. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a performance that made you sit back and think, yeah, there's something there we're going to we've got to be kind of optimistic about in the way that we did with Espria. So. Do you have an XG figure for him? 
Oh, can you get you an XG figure for him? Yes, of course you can. His XG was 0.14, oh. which was the fourth highest on the day. Um, but obviously still not particularly impressive either. So, yeah, I I think, I can, as I say, I can see the bits that maybe cause people concern, but I don't think it was a you know, a, an all-time Hall of Fame bad performance either. No, no. Um, they, they, they were playing within um, another change of shape. We've been we've been changing shape a lot recently. This time it was more of a 3-4-1-2. Mm. Um, and that meant that we got to see Mario Gaspar at right wing back. Mm. Now, a lot of people have suggested that he's not up to that. What did we, what did we think from, from what we saw? I thought he had a good game and I thought he had a better game than he did against Burnley, which is not to say that he had a, a honker against Burnley by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I thought he got, you know, it, and obviously the role comes into it, right? But uh, And the fact that there's three centre-halves behind him to protect. But I thought he showed a lot more willingness to get what more willingness to get forward. So he obviously played a part in the goal. It was his cross that was kind of poked out to Ken Semmer. Uh, to drill home, he you know seemed to be a lot more comfortable getting higher up the field. Nearly scored um, as well. Yeah, that's it. Very nearly scored, cleared off the line. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it felt it's, it's always kind of hard to tell when you're watching on telly because you obviously don't see a lot of their off the ball stuff. You know, how was he doing getting back? How willing was he to get forward? You just kind of see when he appears in uh, in those spaces, don't you? In the kind of yeah. The camera switches to him, but I thought no, I thought he was decent. You know, got quite involved in terms of the in terms of the build up down that right hand side. Um, it was it was it was it was a good game for him. I'll, and and from a shape point of view, it was interesting. I thought that actually, although it's probably three four one two on paper at times, Bio was really just leading the line on his own because Sar came sorry Pedro came so so deep on the night. You know, he's virtually picking the ball up off the fullback, off the wing backs, off the centre halves at times. The amount of times he seemed to drift over to the left hand side, sort of on halfway, and then Cathcart would clip it into him. Um, you know, he was he was incredibly deep, and as we already said, Espria was kind of uh, going all over the place to pick the ball up as well. And yeah, you kind of that probably contributed a little bit to the fact that Bio didn't get in the game as as much as we might have hoped. So. I think we're going to see a lot of this over the, the course of the season, as we've said, you know, the, the kind of different horses for courses, you know, we've got a few options in there um, and, and different ways we can set up and you have to be versatile, don't you? You can't just send the same team in the same shape with the same plan out every week. So it's um, all part of the, all part of the kind of learning process, I think at this stage. Yeah. And the defensive side of that shape is closer to what we believe Rob Edwards wants to do going forward at least that's his sort of number one plan isn't it with the yeah with the three at the back that's it absolutely and as we said i think on the last pod you know that was the only system he really used last season apart from one cup game where he went with um two up front if you look at the kind of average position maps which always a bit of a fallacy because it only takes into account where players actually you know the average position of where they actually touch the ball rather than where they uh, station themselves. You got the back three, then you got two sitting midfielders in Kayembe and Hamza Chowdhury, as you'd expect, and then really it's just kind of a bit of a line. The rest of everybody else is sort of in a line, but you can see that the wing backs, especially Ken Semmer, got very high and wide. And I think you know that's that is the trademark of the team. I don't, I still don't think um, Gaspar and Ken Semmer are probably the players that are best suited to those roles. If you look at how productive um, some Kane Wilson 
and Nicky Cadden were last season for Forest Green Rovers, but they're evidently trying to do their best, their interpretation of those um, those roles. And I think in someone like Pedro or Aspria, you've you've definitely got someone who can be a a fluid kind of player in terms of where they operate, how they operate in that number ten role, and, and really give you a bit of bit of star quality and, and someone that can run beyond or drop in and link the play as well. So, you know, I, d- I don't think we're a million miles off. There's, it, it's kind of very evident at the moment. People either want to be one way or the other, you know, kind of crowning it as right. This is it. Or in more cases than not, I probably go the other way. No, it's not working. We haven't got the players, blah, 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 blah. But I think, you know, that both can be true in isolated moments and over a course of a whole game even you know um some bits are good some bits are bad that's uh that's part of the process really new coach a lot of new players either players that didn't play last season or players that have come in you know you look at that team that started against Birmingham obviously Backman didn't really play last season Gaspar is new Sierra Alta didn't play at all Ken Semmer didn't play at all Kayembe only came in late Chowdhury's new Espria's new Bio's new the only ones that you could say played regularly last season probably a Sierra Alta, um, sorry, Cabasele, Cathcart and and Jao Pedro. So, you know, it, despite the fact we've only kind of made six signings now, it's still a fairly new team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. So it doesn't have to be as kind of binary as this is brilliant or this is terrible. I, I said earlier that, that, that there were two changes. I should have said there were two notable changes because uh, we expected uh, another change, which was made, which was, of course, Kamara not featuring because of his suspension. Um, oh, yes. We missed him on the left-hand side. Um, but I, I do feel as though, and not as a, as an ongoing thing, but for the odd game, um, I'm pretty confident with, with Ken Semmer in that left-wing back position, uh, especially yeah. against opposition like Birmingham. Yeah, I don't think he's going to let you down by any means. I thought he had a, a, you know, a really good, really quite a good game against Burnley. Um maybe not quite as good despite scoring at Birmingham. I thought the thing that stood out for me for the first time was his set pieces were so much better um, than in any other game. They're all kind of quite deep, quite, you know, not particularly whipped. They're quite sort of floaty deliveries to the back potion corners, but they were actually beating the first man and we were getting people on the end of them, which, which made a, you know, a big, big difference. Um, but I think he's a perfectly decent option to have there, isn't he? You know, Kamara's going to miss games over the course of the season. Would never surprise me if he picked up enough yellows to serve a, a <laughs> match ban for yeah. for collecting those as well. So you know he's um, he's he's a decent option to have. You don't want him starting games. You certainly don't want him starting the Premier League. But I think this is the thing about Watford, isn't it? You do have these players that kind of stick around long enough that when uh, you, we've been relegated, they've they've become useful again. Uh, you know, because he was way way in the deep freeze last season, wasn't he? For long periods, he was completely out of the picture. Really, once once Cisco had left. Um, but you know he's he's perfectly usable and serviceable. Not a bad delivery at times. Wasn't necessarily his best game in that respect. But and he's not going to take people on in the same way that Kamara does. But you know when he gets in the right area and the right kind of circumstances, delivery can be can be quite good. And you know physically and what have you, he puts an absolute shift in every time. You can never accuse him of not giving his all. So. He's a, he's a very useful squad player to have, which may not have been the reason we signed him, but you know if we can get some use from him, then I think that's uh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, another player that we got to see a bit of uh, was Ray 
Manai, uh, who it has now been confirmed did score the goal. Um, it was it was a toss up between him and Semmer, but we've uh, seen an angle now that uh, has confirmed that it was Ray Manai who who got off the mark. Um, not a bad game from him, really. Yeah, I think he made a difference, didn't he, when he came on? Um, you know, did some of the things that maybe Bio didn't do. Got certainly got more involved, offered more of a kind of physical presence. He's quite. Um, he might not be tall, but he's quite a broad guy, isn't he? Like he's quite big uh, chest and shoulders, and wants to use that physique. Puts himself about, links the play. Um, I think he's going to be. I think he's someone that you you know you want to play either with the intention of of having someone uh, run beyond him or people behind, you know, at least behind him who are going to uh, benefit from the the kind of work he does uh, with, with the ball. You know, I don't see him being someone that's going to carry the ball, for example, into space and shoot and, and take lots of shots and score. Um, but he was, yeah, I thought he, he offered something slightly different, you know, used the ball well overall, 100% pass accuracy in the final thirds, uh, 80% pass accuracy overall. You know, he, and and in a shorter period of time, only 35 minutes, he had 12 touches, which I think is, you know, almost uh, almost kind of 75% of what um, Bio had. So, you know, shows that he got a lot more, a lot more involved. So useful, useful sort of player to have. And and this is the, this is the thing, isn't it? That, you know, you do have to have these different types of forwards different types of players, whatever it may be for different occasions. And I think, I think he's someone that could be, might not do the glamorous work and almost certainly not going to get kind of double figures and be a hero in that respect, but someone that people will probably come to appreciate uh, over time because of what he gives other people and what he, you know, brings to the team. Um, Someone who we felt might be instrumental in that fixture against Birmingham was Jao Pedro but um, probably didn't have his best game and, and has come into a bit of criticism mm. for for that, Tom. Um, can yeah. we explain a bit why people think he didn't have a great game and if that criticism is warranted? Yeah, I mean, uh, people seem to batter him on Twitter and certainly listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes uh, post-match Twitter spaces, there are a few people that said, oh, you know, he had a terrible game. You can tell he wants to go. It was a disgrace. I do wonder if part of that is kind of conditioned by the the idea that he's going to leave, right? And, you know, we knew, we kind of found out about the Newcastle interest on the day of the game or the day before yeah. the game. So I wonder if that has an impact. What I would say is I don't think he was anything like as bad as people made out. Um, he was probably one of our more effective players in terms of making things happen, getting on the ball. No one in the match created more big chances than him too. He was second for chances created overall with three. He had three shots, which was more than anyone else. Probably should have done better with that one towards the end. Excuse me. Yeah, where he went through, he kind of, you know, he couldn't do anything other than shoot, but he could have got his head over it and and tried to kind of hammer it towards the near post, I think, or or drag it. At least work the goalkeeper, I think. Exactly. The old cliche, work the keeper and see see what happens. But, you know, yes, he was coming very deep and there are a few moments where he either tried to overplay or touch was a bit iffy or whatever or, what not it wasn't perfect but you know for, i think that kind of comes with the territory of being someone that gets on the ball um as often as he does you know he's not scared to get on the ball at the end of the day joel pedro whatever's happening going on in his game he will always try and make himself available make himself an option help people out of tight spaces you know he's quite happy like a really quite happy receiving it in tight spaces and 
and trying to wriggle free or quite happy just you know little touch knock it back to someone roll in someone else whatever it may be just keep keeps it moving does it does things quickly he had the fourth most touches of anyone on the pitch on the night 83 which you know kind of speaks volumes i think for how involved he was and and naturally if you're going to you know not be scared of getting involved even if things aren't going your way you're going to have um you know greater opportunity i suppose to to not get everything you do right but it, i think it's always better to try and fail right than, than than not put yourself out there at all um so no i i was a little bit surprised i must admit about how how he was perceived 16 of 25 passes in the final third completed most um completed and attempted in that area of the field most through balls completed and passing overall was was pretty good as well so yeah i think i think we've seen a considerable leap forward from him in the kind of three full seasons he's had or two full seasons then at the start of this season that he's had here um i certainly i certainly hope he sticks around which is i imagine something that we're going to come on to Yes, we'll come on to it now. Um, so the updates that we got from Rob Edwards this morning is that um, it's no surprise that there was a bid from Newcastle of around twenty million. That's not what the club value Jao Pedro at, so it has been, um, you know, sort of declined. Um, and along with that came a statement saying, uh, at the time, uh, he's not for sale. Uh, now that I don't think it came directly from Watford I, I think it was reported via various media outlets I don't know if that was a, a direct one from Watford but interesting that um, you know we feel as though Newcastle might come back with another bid and that even though we've made that stance that maybe he is for sale at the right price because kind of every player does have a price tag Hmm. Is that is that what oh, you're talking? Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Look, it's it's Newcastle. They're the richest club in the world. You'd be stupid to accept their first offer if they want the player. They'll come back for him, right? And and you know, put an, another five ten million on top. Hopefully, um, I think he's one. You know, it, it's hard because I think we appreciate him having seen him over the last two and a half years now. What we think he can do and what he we think he can become. That you know, losing him for anything under kind of 30 million probably feels like a bit of a, a missed opportunity, a bit of an affront because, you know, we've seen, we've had the benefit of seeing him up close over that time. And I think unilaterally Watford fans believe in him and, and think, yeah, there's a real player there. He's got massive potential, might not have scored heaps of goals, but you know, his, his value goes beyond that in terms of what he can do. And he is still only uh, very young, still only uh, 20. So, you know, there's a lot, um, lot of potential there, and you could see him being someone that leaves us and then goes to Newcastle or whoever, and then gets another bigger move still off the back of that. So you want to kind of cash in. Um, Do you feel as though thirty million would be enough to prize him away? I think thirty million with some kind of future clauses. Yeah, you know, some might heavy be percentage. That, uh, that's it. A heavy, a, a heavy. That's it. Chunk of the next sale. And probably even some kind of performance-related bonuses, you know, if they get in the top four or whatever, he scores this many goals, yada, 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 Brazil appearances, things like that that would, you know, it's incentivizes success elsewhere for us um, would make that worthwhile. I must admit, given uh, the clubs that he was linked to about the time we signed in Liverpool, City, Barcelona, it does seem a bit of a 
I don't know, missed opportunity maybe that he ends up at Newcastle. But I guess they're on that um, journey. I certainly think he'd be someone that they they would appreciate up there. Someone yeah. with that bit of magic, you know. If they play their boots. cards right, Newcastle, they will be the Man City of you know ten years. Well, time. that's the hope, isn't it? And I guess he's young enough that he can afford to go there for three or four years and try and help transform them. But I would, I must admit, the thing that kind of I think about you that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit is that I thought there wasn't going to be any chance of him leaving this season, this season, you know, virtually none. It was going to be Saar and Dennis and okay, we could, we could make peace with that. If we lose all three of them, given we started the first night of the season with all three of them against Sheffield United and we saw the way they linked up and some of the little touches and how good they were. If we lose all three of them before August is out, that is, that is an enormous uh, gut punch and we have, have to find a way to replace them sufficiently with, guys that you know are going to score goals and create chances in the championship. Otherwise, I just don't think we've got enough. And I'm going to I'm going to add Hernandez into that group as well. If someone had told me of course, at, the, yeah. at the end of last season, we're going to lose Hernandez, Dennis, Saar and Pedro, I would have been absolutely devastated. And I, I hope that isn't what happens. Um, to be fair, I, I'm still a bit gutted that Hernandez has gone because I felt like he had more time to give us I felt as though Dennis was, you know, already basically on his way as soon as he, uh, as soon as the final whistle went um, in the Premier League campaign. And <laughs> I must, I'd forgotten about Hernandez, yeah. hence I didn't mention him. No, well, I mean, I felt as though, you know, he was showing talent at the right time, um, and that he could have done a job for us in the Championship. And you know, yes, the American League is, you know, probably equivalence of what league one standard or something but um you know he's 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 lit that up so far isn't he so mm. um but hey it, we we have to forget about him um we probably expected dennis to go and he has and we felt as though if Saar went it wouldn't be too much of a of a problem but joe pedro is the one that we just desperately want to keep isn't he definitely you want it you feel like you just want to be able to build around these people don't you um you know you invest kind of money obviously but emotional kind of investment making emotional investment in the, these players and buy into the project and you know you accept that part of it is if they do really well they are going to get bought by these clubs and that gives you the funds to do it again right you know look at you know obviously you came from Fluminese uh, which was where Richarlison came from and now Mateus Nunes who we're being linked with right. um, you know it's obviously kind of rich harvest down there in, in, in Brazil and the, the Pozzos have, have got a very good record coming out of Brazil and South America, sorry, more broadly. Um, but it just still feels quite early, doesn't it? You know, one Premier League season where I don't, you know, I don't even think you can read too much into what he did because he was one of the brighter parts of a really, really, really dull team, a uh, bad team. So, you know, one kind of championship season and then a few games and then that that's it and you kind of lose him and you, you think, the payoff of knowing that these players aren't going to be here for the long term is that we at least get to enjoy a, you know, a few proper seasons out of them before they hit the mainstream. But I, I think um, I would, I would imagine that Newcastle will probably get it done if, if they're, if they're serious about him. What's, you know, what's yeah. another ten million to them? They have the financial might. It just depends on whether they, they feel do. as though it's worth it. And I mean, if I was Newcastle, I would. I would do it, so I don't know. I don't know why they why they wouldn't come back in, but let's hope let's hope that they don't, because uh, I would love to see Joe Pedro around for another 
well, another few seasons to be honest. But um, <laughs> yes. And by the way, on that um, Matthias Martins one, um, what we believe from what's been reported is that Watford do have a genuine interest, but that it would be a deal that would be done uh, with him coming in January, most likely, because I believe the Brazilian transfer window closes earlier than ours. Is that something that you're aware of, Tom? Uh, yeah, it does look like two transfer windows in 2022, 18th of July to 15th of August. So, yeah, looks like theirs is basically gone, hasn't it? Yeah, um, that's right. So um, that's the case. It, uh, it would be one for January, but um, he looks interesting and um, we'll have more on him in a future pod, I suspect, if it is indeed uh, confirmed that we that we go ahead and purchase him. Uh, let's get back to Gio Pedro then. And we've actually had a question in from one of our listeners, Chris, who wants us to look a bit more into Pedro. He, the question he's asked is, um, what is his ball retention stats like so far this season? Um, and while, you know, I think every Watford fan rates him pretty highly, um, Sometimes it seems as though he gives the ball away quite a bit um, and, um, you know, maybe takes more risks than, than some other players. So uh, he's he's interested to know, you know, what those are and, and how it stacks up to the rest of the division, basically. And I suppose um, if we can find enough flaws with him, Tom, maybe mm. it, will, it will be easier to, to, to let him go. Well... <laughs> Yeah, it depends. It depends what you're looking for, I guess. The thing is, with someone like Jao Pedro, it's inevitable that he is going to lose the ball because he, as you just said, the Birmingham game in eighty odd touches. I think it was the fourth most, was it, um, of anyone on the pitch that day? So you know, twenty two players plus subs. You know, he got on the ball a lot, and he has in all the games. He's been heavily involved. Um, so it's it's inevitable in in that respect. If you're going to take those chances, you're going to get you're going to lose the ball. It's inevitable in his um uh the way he plays as well you know he takes risks he carries the ball he goes into tight spaces and tries to come out again you know so all these kind of factors come into it there's a couple of stats that I pulled up yesterday when you mentioned that we had this question because we do we do do a lot of preparation we're very serious about our work and um one of those is that he is fourth in the championship that was yesterday. It's obviously been games on uh, Wednesday evening, but he was fourth in the championship, certainly yesterday afternoon, for most possession losses this season behind Burnley's Ian Matson, James Bree of Luton, and Burnley's Robbie Brady. I think the, the thing that Jordan pointed out, and he, he can kind of go into this a little bit more, is that possession losses um, takes... You know, one of the things that kind of comes into account quite a lot there is crossing, uh, which I hadn't realised. So I was trying to work out what, those situations would be if it's not an incomplete pass or a failed take on. Um, but it, you know, a, a kind of crossing is one of those things that, which makes sense because, you know, that some of those guys are wingbacks. And then the other one is dispossessions, which is essentially um, being dispossessed, losing the ball. Um, and he is the sixth highest this season behind couple of, well, a few Luton players, actually Luke Freeman, Carlton Morris and Elijah Adebayo. And then Ozan Tufan of Hull, remember him, and Josh Bowler of Blackpool. Um, and he's one of kind of seven players, Jao Pedro has been dispossessed um, seven times, which again, you know, is that entirely surprising given that he, uh, that he kind of gets on the ball a lot? Um, 
that's but sorry, I should have said dispossessions is being tackled without attempting a take on. So, you know, the situation where he kind of wins the ball back and then immediately loses it. And again, that's that you know probably comes with the territory, the position he plays, and the role he plays, and the the sort of player he is. And I think. You could what the one way of looking at that is oh my god he loses the ball loads but I think you also have to look at the number of take ons he does complete the number of passes in the final third he does complete chances that he creates you know if you were to pull up his um, his his stats of the season I think you would you would quickly see that, that the good outweighs the the bad so to speak um, and that that inherent risk is is you know what makes him the player that he is and makes him the player that. Um, that 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 Newcastle want to buy and, and doubtless others will want to buy in in the long term as well. He's created two big chances this season, five chances overall, take-ons more than anyone else he's attempted in the whole division, completed more than anyone in the whole division. Uh final third passes, he's completed 43 out of 68. Um and then got 67% passing accuracy, which is probably not too bad for a a forward player so you know there's uh, definitely a guy there that's I think got a hell of a lot of ability as we know a hell of a lot of potential and brings something to this team that if if he goes I think we'd miss as well so I think you've got to kind of take the rough with the smooth with, with players like that and hope that over time they you know mature and, and kind of learn when the time to take the risk is and when the time to to play it safe is and I, and I think he is as well by the way you know he's played in England for a couple of full seasons now I think you know you probably if you went back he was probably making more mistakes in that regard previously um so yeah I, I can live with it certainly but yes the the question was the, the the person asking the question was definitely on to something he does lose the ball certainly well thanks to Chris for, for that question um Tom if we do end up losing Jao is Aspria the most natural replacement and is he up to the uh the role I suppose yeah, I would say he's the most natural replacement, isn't he? Um, obviously, you know, Domingos Kina has, has, has left on loan for Elche, who'd be someone else that you might kind of position in that number 10 role. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I guess the thing is, he's probably, you know, where Pedro was when he arrived a couple of years ago, you know, new to this league, probably needs to bulk up, learn some of the intricacies or nuances of, of playing in England and playing in the Championship, particularly, you know, you can expect to be people to try and intimidate him physically and, and so on and you know not going to get a huge amount of protection from referees at times I think even João Pedro needed to be reminded of that after the Sheffield United game he was you know spent a lot of time complaining about some of the treatment that came his way but you know I don't think it was any different to two seasons prior when he was in the championship but yeah I think I think Espria you know without putting kind of too much pressure on him and anointing him the heir to Jao Pedro's throne is probably is probably the closest thing. Um, I guess, you know, to revert to my earlier point, will he get enough opportunities this season? If Pedro does go, then that's the one upside is that Espria will probably have his, um, you know, his progress accelerated somewhat um, to fill that, to fill that role. But uh, yeah, I think they're probably the closest in terms of similarities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, potentially Hungbo could play there and we we got a chance to see Hungbo um quite late on yeah yesterday. a decent little cameo from him which is what he does at this level isn't it kind of come on and and throw caution to the wind and run at people at a- hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Time when the game's getting a bit a bit fraught and, and congested and whatnot. Um, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I don't, I, I don't, I'd be surprised just, you know, kind of on the periphery if, if he got, Heaps of opportunities, excuse me, but I think you know he's certainly someone I would like to see. And if we're going to play, um, you know, play with wingers potentially this season as well, and play a four-three-three, then that probably opens up a greater opportunity for him, doesn't it, to play, um, get some get some minutes. And as we all know, you know, nothing terrifies defenders like pace. He's got a hell of a lot of pace, and he's always happy to run at people. So when the game's getting stretched and it's late, you know, he's he's a good good option to have off the bench and hopefully cause a little bit of chaos. Yeah. Davis came on at the same time as as, as Hungbo and um, we got to see a little bit of him. Um, I suppose because we've seen Hungbo before, we kind of know what he's capable of. Uh, didn't see too much from Davis, really. No, quiet from him. I think, you know, given how close to kind of the match day he signed, it's probably not a surprise that he... Uh, didn't didn't play a huge amount. I would imagine he will be starting against Preston at the weekend. Yeah. Um, and we had a few days to kind of get up to get up to speed. So he got what? Yeah, very few minutes in the off the bench. I'm just looking. I was just trying to look it up now, but I actually can't uh, can't see very easily how long he got. So ignore that. Cut that out. That was good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think we've got someone there. I'm really excited to see everything I've read about him and watched of him is you know, kind of makes me think, yeah, this is this is exactly the sort of player we need. Someone who knows this level inside out, has won promotion out of here twice, can score goals, never going to be prolific necessarily, but can score goals. 
at this level and will will make those around him a better player, create opportunities for those around him. And, you know, hopefully that is Pedro and Espria and Saar. And I think, you know, those guys could all benefit from having someone like him doing the kind of selfless work ahead of them. But yeah, I think I think I think he could be a really, really smart um pickup. Absolutely. Um, that's probably as much as we want to talk about the Birmingham City game then. And we've pretty much done the transfer. There's just a couple more in the column of speculation to discuss. Uh, Jack Stevens, uh, centre-back, has been talked about in uh, in the press uh, as being one that Watford are interested in or maybe close to. I'm not exactly sure whereabouts we are there. But... Um, He's a 28-year-old centre-back, a right-footer though, which is interesting because we know that we're in for a, a left-sided centre-back. But mm. I suppose this possibly could be the inclination that maybe one of the current centre-backs uh, at Watford, who is also a right-footer, might be moving on. Uh, we haven't seen much of Troost at the minute. Um, Cabaselli no. potentially, because he's not homegrown, could also be in line to move out but you wouldn't think that Watford would add Jack Stevens and then a another um without losing somebody in that center back department no definitely not and we're being linked with Courtney House as well aren't we so that's I, right I, who is the left sided center back who is the left sider that's it exactly so I, I just wonder if that means if you look at the center halves that we've got um at the moment, you know, and the, um, we're trying to whittle this kind of non-homegrowns down. I think the number I've got at the moment for non-homegrowns, if we, let's just assume we keep Pedro, is is 16. You know, if we're going to get that number down, then you, you would reasonably assume that they might lose a non-homegrown centre-half. And the only person that ticks that box really is Cabaselli, because I think Sierra Alta is going to be a big big player for us this season, big, big part of that defensive line. So... I think yeah, he would be the the one that might make make the move. Although I I gather I saw Lou Orms retweet, I think it was, um, the other day that uh Tristico might be off to Turkey. So um I guess that opens it up for that's a, another homegrown player. Um, despite being a Nigerian international, he does qualify as homegrown. That's another homegrown player that we might uh, potentially lose. So yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, but Jack Stevens that that one seems to be I don't know fairly advanced doesn't it Southampton fans tweeting the other day that it looked like he was on his way out um and you know was kind of kind of waving goodbye that that just looking at Twitter comments always think quite an interesting barometer of how fans feel towards him and there were very 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 few that had anything kind of negative to say you know a few people I think kind of accepted that he wasn't necessarily a, a starting Premier League centre half um but, you know, couldn't fault his kind of commitment and effort and what have you over the years. You know, the fact that he very clearly cared about the club and whatnot. And I don't know if he's necessarily the progressive passer that that we would like to see come in and, and play centre. I think he's, a, you know, fairly sort of steady Eddie in, in that respect. But, um, you know, equally, I probably would say anyone is an upgrade at this stage on Cavaselli in possession who just seems to either dither on it and lose it or just kind of hook a, a fairly hopeful, aimless ball up the line that gets cut out nine times out of ten. So uh, maybe someone just keeping it simple and keeping it moving is a bit more uh, a bit more what we need. So, yeah, it's going to be, um, going to be interesting. There's evidently a bit of kind of 
uh, jiggery pokery to be done there, I think, isn't there at centre half? Because if we get Stevens and House, then we suddenly got um, we suddenly got seven centre halves if you include Matty Pollock. And at times this season, we're evidently only going to play with two as well. So it's um, it's going to need some attention, I think. And this is likely to be um, an actual money signing. This one. I don't know why I phrased it like that. I mean, it's not going to be a free transfer, this one. I don't believe. An actual money signing. We're actually yeah. going to be spending <laughs> money on a, on a defender, Tom. Yeah, I mean, it seems the talk seems to be, certainly from the Athletic, the reporting seems to be that it's unclear whether it'll be a loan with an option or an obligation or a permanent. Oh, yes, that's true. There's evidently some, you know, Southampton aren't going to let, he's not a free agent and they're not going to let him go for free. So there's obviously going to be some outlay on, on our part. So, yeah, I think... Um, I think on the whole, I, I must admit, I've not really seen masses of him apart from Southampton being on telly or when or when we've played them. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know kind of heaps about him. Um, but he seems like a fairly fairly steady, solid sort of centre-half and, and obviously ticks the most important box that he's homegrown. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a good one. And then if Courtney House comes in, uh, that would be the left-sided centre-back that, that we been uh that has been requested yes uh Courtney House that one makes that one no that's fine that make that one makes a lot of sense I think doesn't it left sided homegrown um I think I just think it makes such a difference having someone on that side who's left sided that can open up their body and just you know spray it with the left and then you can kind of open up across the whole field or play, roll it out to the left wing back or left back or whatever it may be. Whereas with Craig Cathcart, I mean, to be fair to him, he's, you know, he's not complete, he's not Ed Okayembe adverse to using his weak foot. He will, he will use his left foot. Um, but, you know, it's always a much slower, more considered option than, than going on his natural foot. So I think if we could get a house in there, that would, that would be a big, that would be a big upgrade for us. Um, if only in that sense. And then you can put Cathcart at the right side of centre half or Stevens at, Right side centre half. Stevens has, by the way, by the looks of it, played on the kind of left hand side um, of a, of a, of the, of the centre halves, or certainly of the um, of uh, a three man defence for Southampton in the past. So I don't think it's um, beyond the pale that he might might do that for for us either. But yeah, if we're going to get House, you'd reasonably assume that solves probably one of the biggest big outstanding issues that has been there kind of all summer. Really, has been pertinent hasn't it that we wanted someone there interesting the latest on jack stevens uh after ralph hassan tutor was uh was asked about it directly he said uh the window gets busy now other teams are struggling with injuries and see what they need this is normal um he basically doesn't want to be pushed to talk about specific names um as many managers don't um i've been quite impressed actually by rob edwards uh very open uh and i suppose he's He's saying what he's been allowed to say, but um, it just feels a, it feels a lot more open than we've had in the past. So it's it's nice to be able to get some more clarity on things because that's what we really want as 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 fans, isn't it? Just to know what's happening, really. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and that's the thing I think with being Watford manager, you do almost have to be the spokesperson, don't you, um, for the club because you you're not going to hear from Gino. You, kind of rarely hear but do hear from time to time from Scott Duxbury never really hear from the the sporting directors either so you know it does mean that you by default end up being that kind of mouthpiece of the club but 
I don't know if it's a case of just being English being his native language and he kind of gets the questions and he can articulate himself better, but it certainly feels he's been more willing to address these things. Whereas in the past, we've had coaches that will kind of, um, you know, just say, look, it's not my place. I just coach the team. I just coach the team. Whereas he's, you know, come out and, and talk fairly opening, you know, and, and fairly honestly and, 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 and faced into these questions about Saar and Pedro and, and what have you. So yeah, I've been, I've been impressed. He, he, he always seems to be just sensible and measured and level. And, you know, even after the West Brom game, he said, you know, he identified what I thought, what I felt had been the, the fairly obvious problems that we hadn't retained the ball well enough and couldn't, you know, hadn't given us the basis to, to perform from there. You know, he's been, he's been fairly sensible. I just think, you know, it's, it's been, he's been dealt a very tricky hand, hasn't he? With the, the number of players going, the necessity to get the number of, homegrown players down, you know, a lot of expectation because it is the kind of dawn of a new era. Um, you know, not many players have been signed until a couple of weeks ago. We've now signed a few more, but it's, you know, it's not been, it's not been the kind of easiest hand to be dealt, but he's, he's taken everything in his stride. And I think, you know, can reasonably feel a bit more confident now that we've got a few results and, you know, still unbeaten. If we win on Saturday up at Preston, then, you know, you go all oh, three wins and a couple of draws. That's a that's a really decent start to the season, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I I'm I've, so far I like what I see, and I just hope that he's given what he needs and isn't having to you know fight to get the bodies in the building that he wants. Okay, great. Uh, thanks very much, Tom. Uh, we're going to be inviting Jordan to join us now, uh, who unfortunately wasn't able to join at this time, uh, and Tom isn't able to stay until. Well, technically seven o'clock when Jordan joins us in, in Radio World, the way you're listening to this, it will feel as though it's instantaneous, but there's actually been several hours in between the uh, the discussion of Tom and, and Jordan. Uh, and with Jordan, we'll look ahead, I think, to uh, the next fixture uh, at, Pre- Pre- at Preston North End this Saturday, uh, as well as maybe covering a couple of topics again that we mentioned just for a very quick view from, from, from Jordan. But other than that, thanks, Tom. And uh, we'll see you... Uh, probably in the pod uh, post Preston. And welcome to Jordan. Uh, Jordan, how, how are you doing today? Welcome to Jordan. That's a nice start. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm doing very well. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting in. It's a shame I missed you guys earlier. It's, it's always nice when we can meet up as a three, but I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here again. Good stuff. Um, let's start by your, uh, your summary of the Birmingham fixture. Yeah, so I mean, look, it was a it was an interesting game. Um, I thought it was good to see us against a, an opponent which looked to sit back. Obviously, the opening two games, we've not really had much of the ball uh, in comparison to the opponent. Uh, but in this game against Birmingham, we were very dominant. I think we had around seventy percent possession and uh, looked to control things. I thought we did a decent job uh, in, in kind of maintaining the tempo and and trying to probe Birmingham. It was still uh, evident the kind of weaknesses that we had I thought were still kind of exposed somewhat but in, in midfield I thought we were a bit better I thought Chowdhury helped and also the inclusion of Espria coming in there as well as well as Jao Pedro dropping deeper to, to pick up the ball we found some ways forward and it was promising uh still some things to be worked on for sure uh you know kind of don't know, kind of beat it to death but the outside centre-backs and the wing-backs still need a little bit of improvement we could do with maybe some help in midfield as well but uh, it was better, and I thought we made some chances, and we we found some ways towards goal. And it's a game we should have really won, and I think we would have done on on quite a few different times if we played that game over again. I think we'd have come away from the three points. Mm, yeah, we saw uh, Mario Gaspar right wing back in this occasion. Uh, what did you, what did you mm-hmm. make of that? 
I thought he grew into the game. I thought the first half was a bit a bit slow. Um, he wasn't really too active, but I thought as the game went on the second half, he, he looked a bit more comfortable. He started making some uh, some moves at the pitch, as, I, as we kind of discussed in the previous podcast as well. He, he offers more in forward positions when you build up, uh, and this was a game we were able to kind of build up from the back a little bit more um, and push on. And he, he was more active in the second half. Obviously, he had a goal uh, effort cleared off the line, very close to the goal. Um, but he, uh, he he found space well. He moved the ball quickly, and he also played into midfield, which we wanted from those those wing backs as well. So I thought it was a, it was a good performance. I still think we could do with some support there. Uh, I still would be interested to see him at the outside centre back position. But he offers something definitely, uh, and I, I thought he he finished the game quite well. What, what do you think of him, Matt? Yeah, I felt like um, he definitely has his weaknesses, and I'm not sure if that's his best position. Even though it seems like he's played that the majority of his career in in Spain but um I just don't think he's the right wing back that Rob Edwards wants he wants someone that's got you know pace and can really get up and down quickly and I don't think that's Mario Gaspar's game he I mean it's it's unfortunate really that uh he, he could have really done with uh for many or I think he was you know kind of like a perfect uh wing back for Edwards system but um you know alas he, he's he's gone and we've we've got Gaspar in his stead but um, I'm intrigued by what you're saying about how Gaspar can sort of come inside uh, and, and how that can be utilised because that's, you know, if, he, if he's good at doing that, maybe maybe um, Edwards can tweak the way that he wants to, to work to benefit what Gaspar offers. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, it's not kind of, you know, bounding up the, ch- up the flank and, uh, and getting forward with a lot of pace and bursting. It's not the sort of wing-back you want to have in a counter-attacking team. Maybe you have more more confidence in uh, in him when you are dominating the ball and you can kind of progress the pitch a little bit more slowly uh, and find that pass. He is better in possession. His crossing might not be the most consistent, but his use of the ball is generally quite good. And defensively, I think he's, he's pretty smart. So I, I, don't, I do think he offers something, um, even if it's kind of a, a particular tool that you use on certain occasions. But he, he's definitely got a role uh, in that position if you need him to play there I just think it's um as you say maybe not quite the type the kind of profile he'd normally go for in that position you can just look back at the Forest Green Rovers and look at someone like Kane Wilson and the kind of this, the way they play or he plays um it, it's certainly quite different even the way Kamara plays in the left when he was available too is quite different but you know it might be enough to get by but I still think it's an area we could do with some investment in yeah yeah definitely um we, we got a chance to see Yasser Espria um for you know the majority of the game and um I think that feels ever more important now that uh, this lad starts getting some minutes for us and, and plays well because with the speculation surrounding Jao Pedro, um, he feels like he's the person that would come in and, and take that slot. How did you think he did against Birmingham? And, and do, you, do you see him playing in that kind of Jao Pedro role if Pedro does end up moving on? Yeah, he certainly could. I mean, he'd probably play a little bit deeper in, in that attacking role, attacking the field role. Uh, but I think he's you know, he's, a, he's a very good player. He's excellent technique. Uh, he plays with energy, um, and he's he's just a very good player. He carries the ball with a lot of confidence. Uh, he looks to get on the ball a lot. He's not afraid. He's dropping deep to pick up the ball. He was smart. He knew what was around him. Good tactical awareness. Uh, I, I think he's a really good eighteen-year-old. You know, really good player for an eighteen-year-old, no doubt. And he offers a lot to the team now, uh, let alone the future. But he's definitely someone we should be looking at. Whether it's a like-for-like replacement for Yao Pedro, I wouldn't say so. But he's definitely someone that can offer a lot. Uh, and having the opportunity to get more minutes is always a good thing for him. Obviously, in the ideal world, we'd like to have him um, and Pedro. But he's definitely someone we can look to in terms of uh, providing some quality for us. I think he, 
you know, covered the pitch really well. He occupied more of the right-hand side in this game with Jao Pedro coming quite deep to the left at times. Uh, and he, yeah, he was very solid. And as I said, for, for an 18-year-old playing and starting his first game in the championship, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was excellent. And you can definitely expect more from, from Espria. We also got to see a lot more of uh, Vakun Bayer as well. What, what mm. was your uh, feelings from, from watching him against Birmingham, Jordan? I thought there were some positives. I've seen a lot of um, quite a lot of criticism. Quite a lot. Of, oh, sorry, you can hear that thunder in the background right there. <laughs> wow. Um, that, was... <laughs> that was what for Twitter when I decided discussing back yeah, and by. Yeah. Um, no, I th- I thought he was um, I thought he was pretty good actually. Now his actual impact in the game where it may have been minimal, uh, he didn't really get too many efforts on goal. He also had that shot that went that went wide the header. Um, but he's someone that can offer something in the box. And I think what I liked about him is he was aware. Uh, he was on the move all the time. And with Pedro and Espria dropping quite deep, he, he was against three men most of the time. And I thought the way that he moved across that back line, uh, he never stopped moving. His head was constantly turning, looking for space and looking how he can find space for his teammates. And if you go back and watch some of the games, uh, some parts of the game, so I did point out in the in the most recent video I put up on YouTube, his, his movement, his awareness to, to make space for Pedro and Espria. Um, was something that maybe went a little bit under the radar. And I think whilst he wasn't uh, a massive goal threat, I don't think we gave him an absolute ton of opportunities bar that, you know, crossing the box from Jao Pedro and that header, which he probably should have done better with. Uh, but I think there's something to be said for Bayo. And I, I think he would benefit from from maybe having a little bit more support, especially when playing against the back three. So if we do play him against Preston, that's something I think we have to bear in mind or Rob's kind of got to be cognizant of. Um, but yeah, whilst he maybe didn't have the most impact in that game, I thought there were some some signs of of a good player. So I think take the time with Bayo. Let's see. We don't know what he is exactly yet. We're still kind of trying to find that out. And I'm sure Rob is too. But I, I liked a lot of what I saw um, when he was out of possession and, and trying to find space to get there. Yeah, he certainly looks like he's 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 got the ability there. And uh, it, I think as soon as he gets this first goal under his belt, it'll probably help him to. Um... You need to move yeah, he's he's a weird one because he likes to he he I mean he thrives off having the ball into space and when you're playing against a team that's so deep uh, as Birmingham were and you know they had Troy and Scott Hogan behind the halfway line for most of the game, uh, it's really difficult to to find that space in behind. And though he's like a taller, longer player, you kind of I think it's easy to think of him as being somewhat of a you know target man, back to goal sort of player. Really, he wants to be playing in the space behind the defense and. And running through and getting shots on that's often where he thrives. Um, and he hasn't really had the opportunity to do that yet. I think when Raymond I came on, uh, you saw a different sort of player and it kind of had a bit of a different effect. And you can kind of maybe see the contrast of the two there and how they could work in different ways. Yeah, I loved Ray's celebration. He really wanted to claim that goal and uh, it looks as though it's gone to him as well. So uh, I'm pleased for him. Yeah, he made it clear he got touched, didn't he? <laughs> didn't he, yeah. Okay, then let's uh, talk about the dreaded Jao Pedro situation. Um, Since Tom and I were talking earlier, uh, and we suspected this might be the case, Newcastle have come back in with a new bid. It's not quite as high as I expected it to be. They're only upped it by an extra two million uh, initially with three million in add-ons, making it 25 in total. Watford are looking for 30, Jordan. Mm. And um, firstly, I'm still hopeful that Watford uh, say no, he's not going anywhere, but I, I suspect that's not going to be the case. But secondly, it, I mean, with uh, all of these other players that are, that are moving at the minute that, um, I don't know, in my opinion, don't seem to be anywhere near as good as Gian Pedro, but that are being talked about in, you know, the 40s and, 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 and the 50s. It feels like 30 million is, is too, yeah, I do is think too low for Gian Pedro. I mean, when you, yeah, it, it does seem, it does seem some somewhat 
undervalued. Given his potential, the fact that he's going to be a homegrown player next season, as long as he stays in this country, it feels like... Yeah, and when you see the likes of Gibbs White going up to 42 million... Well, I mean, that's 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 exactly what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I rate Yao Pedro highly, and... I think he offers he offers something quite different. He's quite a unique player. Maybe he's not as maybe he's a bit niche for some teams. You know, you might look at a forward position, uh, a central figure, you know, especially teams that play in a one. Maybe you don't want Jao Pedro, but I think he's more than capable of playing as a carrying the carrying number ten. Again, maybe it's just less popular of a position. I think it'd see what Newcastle will look to do under Howe. I do think it'd be useful there. So maybe you kind of lose a bit of value there. But as you say, soon to be homegrown. Uh, he's got a lot of experience for a player his age. Um, and you see a lot of footage of him you can see and you can feel quite confident on him as a player. Yeah, he could add some goals to his game. Maybe his shot selection could improve a little bit. Uh, but he offers he offers a lot in possession. His movement's great. His intelligence is good. His carrying's good. I, I just think that 20 million, I, I think he shouldn't be below the, the, the value of Emmanuel Dennis, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's worth uh, a good a good, a good, good amount more uh, from what I from what I've seen of, of both of them. And it, it's a strange one. And as we're kind of talking now, I see literally just two minutes ago, um, Adam, Le- Adam Leventhal has, has tweeted saying that what for the rejected, the second bid in the region of 22 million plus 3 million add-ons from Newcastle. Um, initial, the initial bid package for Pedro was in the region of 20 million, which is 17 million plus 3 in add-ons. So still not clear whether that's it, whether they come back in for another bid. But, at this point, we're still saying no. And I, I think 30 million is the benchmark, even though you could definitely argue even that is a tad low based on the players that have gone around him. Um, it, it seems to be kind of where the club value him. And, you know, for me, it still just depends on the the the, the, the result and the feeling on this deal heavily relies on what the club do afterwards. I'm not saying they have to re- reinvest all of that money directly back in. Oh, that's another bad omen in the background. Um <laughs> I'm not saying they have to reinvest all of that money back in straight away, but if you look at the look at the players that we've sold this this window, if you kind of consider that we could sell Pedro and even perhaps his Melisar as well, we're bringing in you know 100 million, and you'd expect to see some of that reinvested into the squad. So far, obviously we've had a, a small amount of investment in bio, and we've had some loans with some you know options. We're not exactly clear on the exact structure of those deals and the, the contract situations, um, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Like, it'd be interesting to see how it develops. It's very unclear right now. And there's a lot of kind of guessing work until we get a little bit closer to the end of the window. It seems like it's going to be one that's going to, going to take another week or so before we get any real, like, proper confirmed movement. If Joe does move on, Jordan, how confident are you with the squad as things stand that um, it's capable of getting promotional? Do you feel as our investment is required to... Uh, supplement the attack jow goes then you i you could try and get away with it i think undoubtedly you should be looking to invest there still i think you have to try and bring in quality and as much as like a spree you want to have more options for that attacking the field position we just lost uh we just moved dominguez queener on again so we kind of one more player down there uh, we have to have some depth. We have to have some some players brought in whether that's an attacking the field position or in a striking position i feel quite strongly that we'd need to to bring someone in um, and, and not just rely on what we have. I like Keenan Davis a lot, but I, I want the quality and I want the depth and we have the money to do so. Uh, if, you, if you kind of listen to, to what Duxbury has said previously, that we're financially in a very good position despite relegation. 
uh, if you bring in 100 million, I think you should feel confident to, to spend some of that and, and reinforce the team. If your ultimate goal is promotion this season, uh, then it's the least you should really be looking at. If we were to lose this Medesar as well, then there's no doubt in my mind that it's, it's kind of invest or bust. I don't, I don't trust the team, the options we have. Um, uh, even with Edwards in charge, I think it's too much to ask for him to expect a, a promotion push for a team that sold three key players uh, in Emmanuel Dennis, Ismail Assar and Jao Pedro. I think it's just too much. Four, in my opinion, with Hernandez, which I mentioned earlier to Tom. Uh... Tujo Hernandez, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, it's a valid point. Um, and yeah, and maybe, you know, yeah, no, no more. Yeah, no more comment on that. I think you've made. Yeah, adding uh, Hernandez to the list makes it even more apparent. And you know, if you if you'd have kept Hernandez, maybe we'll be talking about a different situation. You know, you you might feel more confident that you could get away with the the selling of the front three, of course. But yeah, as things stand, it's um, it's just a little bit too far. And I'd be very. I, I think how the club deal with this situation has been a lot of talk about um, the. The ownership of the club this off season and this season. I think if you really, we were trying to really establish. There's been a lot of kind of backing of both ways. Where some people think they're very pro pro pro, pro so that's hard to say. Uh, some very anti anti. Uh, but it's, I think this situation, in a kind of in a nutshell, would describe and kind of articulate what this ownership is really going to do with the club. Because I think the way they handled it is very indicative of what they're trying to do with the club in general. Uh, they either look to be proactive and um, show some show some kind of aggression in the market and a little bit of uh, ambition, or they try and kind of lowball it and then take a gamble on, on what they have. And I think that will be quite apparent with this Jao Pedro situation. And also we're still in the market for uh, for a centre-back, uh, a left-sided one, hopefully. And um, uh, as we kind of alluded to earlier, well, I didn't, well, we didn't allude to it, but uh, I, I'm also hopeful that, um, that we, that we get another right wing back in, um, Personally, but well, it sounds like two centre backs, doesn't it, with Stevens and Courtney House? Well, that's right. Um, Stevens, um, bit of a surprise, really, that, that we were in for him, just given that uh, it didn't seem as though that position needed to be uh, to be filled. Well, I think he'll be the right centre back. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. You look at where he played at Southampton um, on the outside of that back three on the right hand side. I think it's to. I would imagine it's to replace Cavaselli. In the starting lineup, and I could quite see, I could see quite likely Cabasetti leaving this window still, based on homegrown the homegrown situation and the likelihood of Stevens coming in, which seems quite likely. And also Courtney House is also seeming imminent on the left. So I think there's a very good chance that we have in the coming weeks a uh, quite different looking back three with kind of Syria to be in the mainstay in the centre. Okay, and um, Cathcart being kept as like a backup. Yeah, a rotational option. I mean, yeah, I think Cathcart's probably the more favoured. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw Cabaselli move on as well as Trista Kong even, um, just to kind of clear some space in the, in the wages and then also give you some flexibility in the homegrown situation. I know, I know Trista Kong is homegrown, but I think you've kind of got some other options there in um, in someone like Matty Pollock as well. What do you make of Stevens? Because that, that reporting uh, around him has perhaps been a bit closer than House's at the minute. Yeah, I think they're both pretty close. Um, yeah, it's okay. unclear. Uh, it's unclear whether I think the structure of the the Stevens deal still seems a little bit unsure. It's it's not clear if it's a permanent or a loan or a loan for an option to buy. Um, but Courtney House seems like it's going to be a loan for an option to buy from what I've heard from read. But um, Stevens is still a little bit less clear. So maybe that's taken a little bit longer because of that. Um, 
But it seems that both players are very likely to move. That would be, I'd say, you're probably talking about 80 90% likelihood at this point would be my guess. Okay. We can talk a bit about, more, more about them once that's confirmed. But uh, you, you, you rate them both? Yeah, I mean, I think Courtney House offers you a lot of physicality on the left, obviously left foot balance. Um, he's a dominant defender and he's you know, very strong in the challenge and also has a, enough pace to kind of keep himself in the game. Stevens, on the other hand, is a bit more. Um, a bit more Cathcart-like and is a reader of the game. He reads the game well, good, good communicator, um, comfortable on the outside, got experience. Not necessarily the fastest, but he you know, he plays at a, a level which allows him to kind of make up for some of that physicality or you know, physical or raw speed. Uh, and, and someone that I, I quite like on the outside, maybe not so much in the central position. Um, but on the outside, I think he offers you something. And personally, I've been more comfortable with him there. Uh, than someone like Cabaselli. And at, at both 27, 28 years old, they're at good ages, I'd say, for, for what we need right now and, and the kind of likely fees involved. Okay, cool. Um, let's turn our attention to Preston North End now. Um, that's the next fixture. One of only five clubs in the championship that uh, haven't lost a game yet, along with Watford um, being one of those. Uh, they sit just outside the playoffs, although at this point in time, it's, you know, I mean, it could be anyone really outside the playoffs, but um, they, they've, relatively started well with with three draws and a victory mm-hmm. yeah they started well the, the, the only problem they've had is just scoring goals they've created a chance i think it's almost 60 chances created and just the one goal i believe uh it's it's been a, a difficult start i watched the game versus rotherham and they should have honestly they should have battered them uh they got the ball into the box countless times they just weren't able to to put it away and um, parrot up front has been struggling a little bit not quite delivering I say that now, I'd probably score against us, but um, they're kind of real quality for them. They've got a few spots, but Ben Whiteman, you know, as people that listen to Watford Buzz before will remember that name. He was one that we discussed as a possible replacement for Kapu last time we won the championship uh, before moving to Preston. He's someone that kind of dictates the tempo really well, good pass of the ball, uh, intelligent midfielder, Ryan Ledson as well. Um, great set piece taker, good carrier of the ball, and again, effective and can be incisive in possession. Robbie Brady from the left wing back position, another player that Watford fans know well. Great championship wing back when you kind of get him fit and playing, you can get up and down all day, and he puts a lot of crosses into the box uh, against Rotherham. He put 18 crosses into the box, which is pretty high, and ended up with six key passes in that game. Still no goal for for, for Preston this one, though. And then Liam Lindsay in the central uh, position for their back three, another team that plays in the back three. So I, I would say uh, maybe predict or expect something similar. Um, out off off the ball uh, as, as we saw against Brighton, but with a little bit more, bit, little bit more bite in the counter attack. I'd say. How do you expect Watford to to uh, set up for this one? We've seen a lot of different uh, formations switching within the last few games. Yeah. It's hard to know which which way they're going to go this time. It is hard. I mean, ultimately, we do. I still think want to play that back three, but it, until we get Stevens and House, and we might be tempted to not do so with Kamara being back. Indeed. Um, yeah. Maybe we think it's better to go back to a back four again and, and play Gaspar and Kamara on the outside and then have uh, Trus- uh, sorry, um, Cathcart and, and Sirianci in the centre. Maybe gives you some more flexibility. I guess there's also the element of seeing what happens with um, with Jao Pedro and Ismail Assar uh, over the next few days as well um, before they really know the shape. But it, it's a tough one to call. My, my gut says we'll probably stay with the back three, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if we did change them. Um, again to that back four and and try and kind of do something a little different with the players we have now available 
Yeah, Saar is uh, potentially going to be involved in this one. He seems as though he's fit. And as we heard earlier, there was no actual fact in the transfer rumours regarding him. So uh, hopefully he'll be involved in this one. Uh, Tom Cleverley, though, unfortunately, is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks of the calf injury, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's, um, Although, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not such a bad thing if uh, if many Watford fans are to be uh, yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. about Yeah, I mean... One. I don't want him to be injured or anything. It's hopefully he'll he'll get fit again. But this is what you know. This is part of the reason you kind of can't, in some ways, rely too heavily on him being that midfield option. Even if you are a cleverly fan, just because he's he's not going to be available for every game. He's going to have these sorts of injuries. That's just kind of where he is in his career. Um, so that just kind of has to be managed and, and expected, really. Do you think um, it'll be another game for? Spree and Ben Shadri. Oh, oh I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, no, I think keeps his spot. Yeah, no, I think he does keep his spot. Uh, I know it's coming round pretty soon. That's the only question mark. You know, obviously this is a midweek game we just started, but uh, I think with what Preston have to offer, uh, I think Espria should be uh, in that attacking midfield position and and looking to be one of those players that can break the lines. I think he's that's where he'll be effective for us, and I think we're going to need him in this one. Okay, so not 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 too many uh, changes from. From what we saw on Tuesday, it then. wouldn't surprise me to see an un- unchanged side apart from maybe you might see Manai and Fabio. Although I would like well, to Davis see Davis maybe. start, yeah. I'd love to see Davis start. Um, I, I think in an ideal world, Keenan Davis will be starting, but you know, perhaps Rob will feel it's necessary to reward um Ray Manai for his contribution when he came on the pitch against Birmingham. Yeah, that's a good point. That might be the case. You think Pedro will be involved, or do you think with the discussions go ongoing that um, he he, he won't mean, be? Or, I mean, I mean, as you know, we've just heard that they've uh, declined the second offer. That might give the green light for Rob Edwards to include him within the you know this Saturday's yeah, fixture. I think we'll find out a lot about the deal come Saturday. If he's if he's in the squad, then there's obviously every chance he stays. And I, I think we just have to kind of wait and see. But I'm sure if there's any chance of playing him, Rob will be looking to, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. Um what more can we can we learn from Preston North End uh season so far? Uh well I mean I think honestly the 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 now the story of their season so far has literally just been not being able to finish. They need help in the striking department. Uh, and, and until they do so, or until one of those players hits form, they're going to struggle. They create a lot of chances, but um, they're wasteful, and that's something we have to to capitalise on and, and punish them for. I'd say. Nice. Okay. Um, I think that'll pretty much do us for this uh, extended version of the of, of the pod. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and joining us, Jordan. Yeah, not at all. Thanks for uh, thanks for being adaptable and fitting both Tom and I in. That's all right. It's uh. It's a pleasure. Let's find out if we've got any more reviews before we leave. And uh, yes, we do. We've got uh, another review from Chris One Howe. Um, he says, Watford football chat. Depending on whether you listen, it's one, two or three guys having balanced conversation about Watford Football Club. Good debate about players, transfers, ownership and the manager merry-go-round makes it a good week listen to my podcast collection. So thanks very much, Chris. And that was Glad to be a part of it, Chris. Another five stars there. So, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, keep getting those reviews in. Uh, just go to uh, the section right at the bottom of the Apple uh, podcasts where you can uh, give it a, a, a one out of five and then give us a, a, a little comment as well. So tell us what you what you make of it. 
Uh, and apparently on Spotify, you can give us a comment. Uh, not you can't give us a comment. You can give us a rating out of five as well. So um, if you listen to us on Spotify, give us a rating, and I'm sure that will uh, improve the statistics somehow and, and get more Watford fans finding us and, and listening to us. All right, okay then. Well, we'll be back after the Preston North End uh, fixture, hopefully talking about another Watford win. Um, that'll be the first on the road, won't it? So uh, hopefully we can record that one. But uh, until then, I've been Matt Messiano. Tom's uh, been Tom Bedell and Jordan has been Jordan Wyman. <laughs> <laughs> See you in the next one. See you next time. All right, bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.